Welcome to Fit Chicks Chat, the weekly podcast dedicated to educating and empowering women to take control of their lives, where we talk about fitness, nutrition, wellness, mindset, and a whole lot more. Today's episode is brought to you by Fit Chicks Academy, where we help heart-centered women just like you who love health and fitness get certified as fitness, nutrition, and health coaches and build amazing businesses. So if you're ready to create the life, health, and career you love, please join us for our upcoming Holistic Nutrition Weight Loss Expert Certification Program. To download the brochure today, head over to fitchicksacademy.com forward slash H-W-L-E brochure to learn more. Now let's dive into this week's episode of Fit Chicks Chat. Welcome to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast, where we talk all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness for women to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. And now, your hosts, Laura Jackson and Amanda Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fitchick's Chat. I'm Amanda Quinn, and on today's podcast, I have Lori Warren joining me. Hi, Lori. How are you today? Hi, Amanda. I'm good. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, so as everyone knows, on Tuesdays, Laura and I usually chat about like health and wellness and sort of anything to do with that side of it. And because Laura's not joining me today, I have Lori joining me. And we're going to be talking specifically about a lot to do with mindset and how it affects your body, how it affects disease, how it affects just overall health and wellness. And I, I totally believe in this so strongly, this whole mind-body connection. So Lori, I'm really excited to have you on because I think understanding this is so key. So before we get started with some of the questions I have, would you mind just sharing with our listeners a little bit more about yourself and about you know, your background and how you kind of got into all of this? Okay. So great question. <clears throat> I always trouble with trying to keep this succinct. <laughs> <laughs> so I, my first dozen years of my career were in high tech. Um, I was a financial analyst, financial manager, sales executive. And somewhere in all that, Amanda, I um, started to feel like, like the work I was doing was soulless for me. Obviously, we, you know, I love my smartphone. I'm so happy people work in technology. So it's nothing against – I could have been working in anything. It just – I felt this pull to something different, but I didn't know what it was. I just felt like unrest. Right. Um, and when I was 30, my, I sort of had a big sort of a whole bunch of things happen in four months, including my brother-in-law who is 47 um, very quickly consu- uh, was um, gave into a brain tumor. Oh no. So he was young and I was young and I wasn't, you know, really ready to deal with all that. But one day when I was up visiting he and my sister um, in their cabin on the coast of Maine, I saw a book on the table called Beating Cancer with Nutrition. It's a book by Dr. Patrick Quillen. And I leafed through it. What thought, wow, that's interesting. And I was kind of a foodie, like at all the companies I worked at, it always been like the food goofball, right? Like brought my oatmeal and that kind of stuff. Not like really hardcore, but just, you know, was aware of food. Mm-hmm. And when I got home to Massachusetts, I bought that book and I read it in like a day with all, you know, my usual highlighting and margin notes and all that. And was blown away by the idea because when I saw that book on the table, it was like, eating cancer with nutrition. What the heck does cancer have to do with nutrition? Like it was one of those like, what? So when I read the book, 
I was blown away by the idea that we build our bodies with food. Mm-hmm. And what I've found over and over now that I do this work is that everybody's blown away by the idea that you physically construct your body with the food that you bring into your body. Like, like that's just biochemistry. Like it's not me swooning about food necessarily. Right. And which I do often. <laughs> um, so the seed at that point, Amanda had been planted and then, and then like most things, like most change in our life, isn't like this flip a switch. Like it's not like the turn of a jet ski where you just turn around on a dime. It's more like the Panama canal where you go up in locks, like mm-hmm. something happens, then you make a little shift and then something else happens. So it was more like that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I did stay in high tech for another four years, but I started to get really into food Um, I joined an international nutrition foundation and started to get really, really interested in food as medicine, like food as a way to heal, construct, and honor our body. And um, by the time I was in my late 30s, I said, you know what? This is it. Like, I am on fire about this. Like, I didn't even have a discussion with myself. It was clear to me and everybody around me. My whole family is eating all this food they weren't used to eating. And by that time, I had four kids and, um, you know, was really intent on giving them nutrient dense foods. So I went back in my early forties and got my master's in clinical and integrative nutrition. Mm -hmm. And then what happened from there, which I think is going to end up being really pertinent to our discussion today is, um, my very first client out of grad school, you know, when you're all nervous and it's your first person and you've only been doing stuff like clinically in, in school situations, Um, taught me that food is extremely powerful and the body has, is deeply wired to heal, but it's also connect to our aspects of mind and spirit and emotions. Mm -hmm. And if we're not tending those in concert, we're going to have health issues, what I call dis-ease in the body, mind, spirit organism. And so that very first client taught me that. And what happened is, is it launched me into um, a lot more study in psychology and functional medicine and wisdom traditions and herbalism. Like I just wanted to know everything I could mm-hmm. about how to support a healthy whole human organism. Right. And because, but because I, it was, it was so clear that you can do all the right things from a like food and herbs and nutrients standpoint and someone can remain in their dis-ease. And, and so how that's manifested, you know, I work with folks a lot on something as quote unquote simple as weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, is- <laughs> Which is probably the most non-simple. <laughs> so that interestingly And I said that, you know, with kind of tongue in cheek, right? Because that desire for a lot of people is more wrapped up in mind than probably any of the health struggles that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, like we can point to diabetes and say, oh, well, I have diabetes. That's this thing that's going on in me. And here's what I can do to to help heal it. But with with food and, and weight loss, people, especially women, get so in their head about um this is my experience of working with people. People get so in their head about negative self-talk and why can't I lose this weight and self-flagellation. And what's interesting is, is that 
neuroscience has clearly shown that when we berate ourselves for falling off the wagon, eating the ring dings, whatever it is, mm -hmm. that we're actually wiring our brain to make us more likely to do that again. Right. Which is a super big drag. So, so what I, when I'm working with folks, there's a huge, mind is really first because I just, it's too clear that if we don't have our habits, our belief systems, the way we talk to ourselves, you know, the way we handle emotions, if that's not in a decent place, we're, we're really going to struggle. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I got all passionate about your question. And no, that's, a lot. <laughs> that's quite all right. No, and all of what you were saying was so interesting to me. And I think, and thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing sort of your experience of how it kind of all started and, and why. Because I think it's so, um, I think understanding people's why is so interesting to me. And it's, I'm always so curious about it because it's, it always comes from such a deeper place. It's never in my, in my experience, it's never just even with weight loss or something, it's never just the, what you think it is on the surface. You know, it always ends up being buried with so many other layers. And, and as you were saying, like weight loss is, you know, when you were saying, um, <laughs> ironically, Oh, it's, you know, that simple thing of weight loss. Like it's, it's absolutely not simple. It's something that only, not only physically is challenging because there are so many different parts to it, but then there is that emotional side and the mental side. And I think I, I was curious to know, um, with, if we just stick on the idea of weight loss right now for our, our, our example, when you're talking about that, um, do you find that there's not only like the mindset side, but there's also the emotional layers that are attached to it. And, oh. and that's what I think challenges people so much because I think that it's when you don't understand, and this is my experience is that when you don't understand the emotional layers and you don't understand why the habits are happening, is when you'll take 10 steps forward and 20 steps backwards mm -hmm. because you've never been able to actually, um, or not never, but majority of the time you're not able to break the actual foundational habit or the reason why that habit is happening. And so then you'll maybe make progress, but then you'll always kind of go back to your old habits at some point in time. Do you, do you agree with that? Wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, so, if we really think about food, it's actually incredible, incredibly simple. And I actually wrote this in my book and I forget the exact phrase, but it was literally 12 words that basically explained the best way to eat for health. You know, something like eat whole nutrient dense foods, a lot of plants and, you know, stay away from junk food. Like it's something that simple. Like it really is that simple, but we've made it because we're humans and we like to slice and dice things a million different ways. We've made it so complex and we're constantly getting these news bites that are, that are extracted out of like some huge study over 20 years that just says like eggs are bad for you. It's like, God, no, they're not. <laughs> like, like, so it be, but, but for people that don't live and eat and breathe this like you and I do, it becomes very confusing right? So, so there's the confusion part. And then to touch on your, you know, not just touch on it's such, it's probably the most important piece of, of sort of weight loss and, and body, mind, spirit is that emotions are very powerful. And most of our non-conscious programming, which is how we run most of our life, 96% of what we do is run from our non-conscious mind. 
so that's staggering. We make, I saw um, a, a scientific study that said that we make 200 choices a day, non-conscious choices a day, just about food, just about food. Wow. Right. So, so, and most of our beliefs and habits around food got programmed before we were seven. So here we are in midlife, you know, 10, 20, 60, 150 pounds heavier than what we want. And we've got these old wired programming from decades ago that is still running our relationship with food. And so what I hear from people a lot, Amanda, is, and this always, like it's funny, but it's not, is people would say, you don't understand. I just, I do a lot of emotional eating. And I'm like, okay, everybody I can almost say that without, you know, a little stopgap. Like everybody does emotional eating. Yes. Like we all got programmed in some way. Like if you finish your dinner, you can have dessert or you were a good girl. So here's a brownie or, you know, like we all had these programs that got put in around food so that we learned. And there were some researchers, I think they might've been on a Harvard that figured out a bunch of years ago that we basically have our habits are around like this three-step process. So we get a cue and then we have a habit in place and then we get a reward. Okay. And that's our dopamine system runs that whole thing, right? The reward is the key part. And that's the part that like, so the cue remains the same. So for instance, I come home, I've had a hard day. I want chocolate and potato chips, right? So the cue is I've had a hard day, right? For me, the routine is chocolate and potato chips, the reward is that my dopamine system says, yay, we're doing something that we really like and we're rewarding ourselves and we feel awesome. So now I've completed the feedback loop and everything in my brain is happy because it's working. What people try and do is they have the same cue. I've come home from a hard day and I'm tired and grumpy. And they try and just remove the chocolate and potato chips and use willpower to stay strong until bedtime. Right. Willpower is an exhaustible and an exhausting source, and it's very short. There's very little of it. Mm -hmm. So we're relying on this tiny thing to try and get us through the very big, long four hours between (laughs) work and bed without leaning into what our brain has been programmed to tell us makes us feel better. So the emotional part of eating is so important, and in that example... The, the thing that you, you can't change the cue because that's old mm-hmm. and the reward part has to work. Like we have to feel better by whatever routine we stick in the middle of that little three-step sandwich. Mm-hmm. We can change the routine. I was and, just going to ask, like, what do we do to change that, yeah. that middle piece? Because it's so key. The middle piece is the key. And so, and so in that instance, and, um, so the, the example I'm going to give is it might sound a little goofy to people, but that just shows you how unique and personal what that middle replacement is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So for some people, it's going for a walk. For some people, it's going in the kitchen and preparing food with bubbly water with lemon in it and nice music on. So they're around food. They're doing something nice for themselves. It's a nice atmosphere. And then the body says, oh, nice. Okay, we feel better after our long day. Right. 
the one of the things I, the two of the things actually that I lean into most is one going out in my garden and weeding because it feels productive and I feel connected to nature and I just always feel good when I'm outside. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's something that I can do in five minutes, 40 minutes or an hour, right? Like depending on the time I have. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I lean into in the winter when it's, I live in New England and it's, you know, gets dark at five and it's 12 degrees. I'm not going to go out. I'm in Canada. Same thing. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going out and weeding in December. (laughs) Um, So in that case, I have a coloring book, like an adult coloring book and like this big package of like 72 colored pencils that are all pretty and sharp. And I sit down for 10 minutes and I color with like some nice music on and maybe my feet in some hot water and I feel better. Mm -hmm. And and, but, and it takes, and the thing is, Amanda, is it takes something, it's like 21 to 66 days to make a new habit. So that rewiring is not something, because people say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's, you know, let's unpack that. Like, how long did you try it for? Well, yesterday. <laughs> it's like, okay, so good start. And then this is something that you just need to lean into day after day when you find yourself in that situation. Because, and, and the trouble is, is that, and you know this as well as I do, Amanda, is that we're getting all this input from, from the society around us and from media that a diet is the answer. That the quick fix, right, like do this for 20 days and you'll lose 10 pounds of body fat, right? Like that yeah. kind of thing. Right. And we want that. Of course we want that. Like why would everybody we? wants the magic pillar of the fat? Right. Of, of course. course. Who wouldn't? Me too. Mm-hmm. But but I figured out that, that it's actually an illusion. So like I've learned to not want that anymore because especially I'm, you know, in my fifties, I'm postmenopausal. So things do not slide off me the way they used to. Like it's much more of a long view. Like, oh, over the next nine to twelve months, this is what I want to happen in my body. And and so I think we get, you know, when I, and I talk in my book about sort of some of the myths in our culture that keep us, you know, unhappy and sick and unwell. And one of them is the silver bullet syndrome, where we just, we're fed this idea that things can be quick and easy. And we're used to quick and easy because you and I can, I don't have to get in a plane and fly to Canada to hang out with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can talk to you on this computer. Mm-hmm. Like everything is quick and easy. And so we want that to be quick and easy too. that being health, weight loss, you know, um, equanimity in our mind, emotional intelligence, all those things. And they're not, they're, they're a life practice. So, so with the habits, getting back to our original discussion, I think the most important thing that people can understand, I joked in the beginning that people are like, Oh, well I do emotional eating. Like, like they're unique. Mm-hmm. God, we all do. Like I do. And they're like, wait, you do? I'm like, yes, God, like we all got that programming. And so, and you know, maybe there's four people that don't, but the vast majority majority of us, I always hesitate to use the word all, but in this case, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, You know, we struggle with that little bit of emotional eating or for some of us, it's a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And so, I think the first thing is for us to recognize and be kind to ourselves and recognize that we're not some uniquely flawed, idiotic person that can't stick to something or has these bad, you know, bad habits. I like to call them habits that don't serve us or ineffective habits. Um, And then to really focus on this idea of depersonalizing it so that instead of saying, oh, I'm Lori and I'm an emotional eater and I stink, 
to, oh, I'm Lori and I have, I'm triggered by a cue. I fall into a, a routine and then I get a reward from it. Right. That becomes very sort of clinical and, and something you can, oh, like assess, like, oh, gee. And, and it takes a while to start to see what your cues are. What is it that triggers you? Whenever I have an argument with my youngest son, who's 17 and very, you know, sassy 17-year-old, <laughs> whenever we, I always want chocolate. It's amazing. The second we disengage in whatever we were having a tussle about, yeah. there's a drawer I keep chocolate in. I don't eat it that often because chocolate's an avalanche food for me, meaning like a little bit always leads to a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Right. And I like I just, that avalanche. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, you know, the kind like yeah. potato chips is another one for me. Like I can't, like, it's a very bad idea for me to sit down with a bag of potato chips. I don't ever do it because right. I'll eat the whole thing. Right? right. And so when I finish that, you know, an arguing situation, I immediately think about this drawer in my kitchen where I keep chocolate. It's amazing. And, and so I think, you know, recognizing that, being kind to ourselves, looking at those kind of three steps and depersonalizing it for ourselves, and then starting to notice, notice, notice what triggers us. What's right. the key? That's the key. Right. I, and I was going to say, like, you know, recognizing the cue, but do you think it's also important to, to dive deeper? Like, this is something that I find and that I found really powerful for myself when, when it came to emotional eating and my emotional health and, and the interconnected sort of relationship between mind body and understanding it and also the emotional side with my body. Um, you know, I actually had an experience and I've told this once before on the podcast, um, but where Laura and I, we went to uh, the Biggest Loser Ranch in uh, Utah. And we went there to, to just see what they were doing and learn and do the whole program for one week to be like, okay, what is this like, extreme sort of scenario that is happening and how does it all work? Cool. And yeah, we went, in, we went just with curiosity and mm -hmm. when we went, you know, it was crazy. Like it was like eight hours a day of working out and like crazy, like, a 1200 calorie day diet, we were starving because <laughs> we don't eat that little. And, you know, but I remember the last day, the last day that we were there, it was like the celebration day. And on that day, they gave us a Cobb salad for dinner. And I remember being so <laughs> disappointed. Like I was like, what are you talking about? Today's a celebration. Why are we having a salad? And then it was like, oh my gosh, wait, they probably did this on purpose or maybe not. Maybe I just saw what it was for me, but I was like, oh wait, like I had to realize that it's not, it's about the celebration. It's not about the food and recognizing that whenever I celebrate, I always eat like junk food or different food. You know what I mean? And like yeah, yeah. that whole interconnection. And so when I understood that why and why I was disappointed and why I was being emotional about it. I was able to sort of dive deeper into like the stories that I've been telling myself for a long time to be able to like then kind of heal that side of it so that it becomes less, um, less like less, it has less strength essentially. And it has, it has less ability to kind of like trigger me in the same ways. Do you find that that part understanding the deeper side of the why is just as important as figuring out like the steps and the cues? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the why, you know, you and I talked about this a little before we, you know, popped on here. Yeah. One of the most important things that I, when I'm first working with like, you know, a six month client that I work with on whatever their health goals are, mm -hmm. um, 
is their why. Like, and, and I, and I suss it out with them a bit on the phone. And then I ask them to write up their deep why. And it can't be because I want to look snazzy in a dress. Like that's not a why that's not really, what is the deeper reason? What is it? And so, you know, like, like one woman I dug in with this, what she ended up with, which was so interesting, you know, in the beginning, it's like, well, I want to look, I want to wear a size eight or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's a number and kind of random. So like, let's dig deeper. And as we dug in um, and with this particular woman, what I ended up doing is taking notes and writing an example of her wife for her and then sent it to her so she could edit it because she was having such a hard time getting in to right. her why. And what she ended up with was from, now remember this is coming from, you know, I want to be in a size eight dress. What she ended with was, I realized that I meet God with my body. So for her, spirituality was about um, deeply being deeply embodied and feeling good and, and empowered and strong and healthy in her body. And it's how she gave reverence to something larger than herself. That is a very different conversation than I want to be a size eight. Definitely. Yeah. So I completely agree with you that the why can be important. And to my way of thinking, the why and, and the, the, that three-step thing are, are, are deep, are very much in bed together. Right. Because, because like you were talking about a celebration, like we've all, most of us, I think were brought up celebrations include cake, cake and <laughs> candy. And, you know, we don't go out at Halloween and collect apples and celery sticks, right? Like it's right. a celebration. So we have junk food, right? And so I think for a lot of us, I would have thought the same thing sitting at, you know, the ranch <laughs> celebration day. I've been like, oh, cool. We're going to have like, maybe I'm going to have like a burger and probably be a grass fed burger because this is like a health place. And, <laughs> you know, it, it would have been a very different thing, I imagine, than a Cobb salad. Because yeah. when the cue is when someone's to celebration, I think fun party food. Yeah. Right. So it, it's a combination of beliefs and cues, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like the mm-hmm. cues kind of come out of our beliefs in a lot of ways. For sure. Yeah. So, and that, that completely makes sense. Now I have two questions for you on that. Like, and just sort of what we were talking about. Um, you know, the first thing is with the, with the questions that you were asking the woman that said, I want to be a size eight. And then, you know, mm. do you have specific questions that you some, tend to ask when you are diving deep or does it just become organic? Like, is there, is there a certain process that you think that people should follow in order to get to that sort of why? And then the other piece is, you know, like even for myself, I've never necessarily, it's not even that I've healed that part of like the why it's really just about me understanding it. Like I yeah. see my triggers, like I know when I miss my mom that I eat this certain food. I eat um, barbecue potato chips mixed with popcorn. It's a weird combo. <laughs> my mom very unique. My mom used to give it to us when we used to go to the drive-in when we were young, and I remember that. And so it's like this weird, like if I'm feeling kind of sad or kind of like I'm missing her, you know, that's the thing that I crave, and I recognize that now. But it's I feel like there's so much power in the recognition of it. It's not necessarily that it's like I resist it. I just am like, oh, maybe I should call my mom. Maybe I just miss her, you know? And then I can like, I can make a decision at that point or maybe I do both. But it's like, I feel like there's just so much power in having that deeper understanding rather than 
having to necessarily always get to a place where you're just like, okay, I understand it now. I'm going to like, let it go. It's just like being very aware. Do you, do you agree or disagree with that? Totally agree. hundred percent. And here's, what's interesting is that, well, I think it's interesting that, <laughs> that, that, um, uh, the culture that we're currently living in is really a lot about speed and multitasking, mm-hmm. which means that on a continual basis during our days, as we walk this planet, we are moving quickly from one thing to another. We all have these long to-do lists and, and we're just, we're just, our focus is spread out. We're feel like we're sort of running on a hamster wheel. And so in that situation, where we're sound biting and moving quickly from one thing to another, the idea and the journey of digging in deeply on something like a why is almost an alien process. Right. right. So people have a hard time. Like I can tell from talking to you that you've really done your work around that. Like you've really dug in and spent time and, and it's so beautiful. And a lot of people have not done that and they can't understand why, well, I do the diet and then I lose the weight and then I gain it back. Well, right. Cause you did a diet and you go on a diet and you go off a diet. And then when you go off the diet, you go back to what made you overweight in the first place. You go back to what you know, yeah. what you know, what, what, what is familiar to you, exactly. what the, what the 96% of your mind is busy focused on, which is things that are in your unconscious. Like you're not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, and so the answer to your, the, the first question you asked in this little segment was, mm-hmm. you know, do I have a process for digging in with people on their why? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, I don't. Because what I find is, is that each person, it's amazing how there's so much about us that's similar. And then each person is really unique. I mean, on so many levels. And so mm-hmm. I found that a process doesn't really work. And I just have to really function. It's like I, it's like I, I stand squarely in a space and I'm trying to access all my faculties of, you know, knowledge of psychology and wisdom and intuition and be with that person, follow the thread with them of what their deep why is. And one of the books that interestingly, interestingly instructed me the most on ferreting out a why is a business book, which you probably heard of, which is Simon Sinek's um, Start With Why. Mm-hmm. I love that book. <laughs> um, I mean, it was a great book for an for a entrepreneur, for a business person. But what I found when reading that book, and I find this a lot when I'm reading, you know, a book is about something and, I, and then I start thinking about something completely different that it also directly applies to. Mm-hmm. And the why of figuring out, you know, in the book, it's like, why are we in business? Like, what is it that we do? And so for us, it's like, why do I want to be healthy? Like, what is it, you know, for me, a big reason, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, like, why work to take good care of myself. Um, And one of them is I have grandkids. I want to be around, man. Like, I don't, I want to be around and active. Like, I want to be, you know, the grandmother that can take them hiking or, you know, do the fun stuff, right? I, I mean, I don't want to just, just be the coloring grandma, although I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think, I think that for each part person, it's an individual process of digging mm-hmm. in on a why. And, and I think 
the way you, one of the ways you find out that you've gotten there is that when you, you keep asking the question, like, well, I want to be a size eight. Well, why? Well, because I want to look good in clothes. Well, why? Right. You know, like you keep, and when you keep digging and when you can't answer why anymore, you're probably pretty close to the zip code of your real why. One of my, um, one of my mentors, he said that, um, you should ask the question why nine times, (laughs) nine times. So there should be literally, it's just why, and then a pause Mm. and give yourself time or give the person, depending on if you're asking the question or if you're asking it to yourself, but give yourself the opportunity to answer it and then ask it again. And then once you get to the ninth time, that's usually when you get to the actual deep rooted sort of layer of the answer as to exactly why. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was so cool. And, and, you know, and like we we're just saying, and that nine thing, like you're just, conti- the only, there's no steps. It's just keep asking why. Cause like, I'm thinking of two different clients in the past years in my mind. One is the one I just told you about that I meet God with my body. Mm-hmm. Another one is that I got on the phone with and she said, and she knows that I'm all into, you know, whole person healing and body, mind, spirit. She's like, all right, I just want to let you know that like, I'm about as spiritual as a doorknob. And I'm like, okay, duly noted. Cool. Like, you know, good to know. So I'm going to have a very different conversation with her, which is totally legit and fine and real, then I'm going to have with the other person. So that's why, like, for me, like a, like a protocol or a step thing, digging in isn't really work. And I love what you just said, nine whys, that can apply to everybody. Right. Perfect. No, I just, um, I wanted to ask you, I want to go back for a second because when we were talking about seed in the beginning and we were talking about, what? about seed and how everybody is looking yes. for, you know, we're also accustomed to having everything happen overnight and, you know, we're so impatient in today's society. Like if, if somebody doesn't, you know, I sometimes get people that will send me three emails in an hour because I didn't respond to the first email. <coughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I don't check my email that often. <laughs> like I don't sit on my email waiting for emails to come in. Um, <laughs> How dare you? unfortunately <laughs> for some. Um, but I know that it's just, and I know I don't take offense to it when they send me those any, that many emails because I just know that that's just what we've become accustomed to in society where, you know, we're, we're used to just instant access to everything and everybody. Now, when we go into that mindset, I'm curious to know, do you feel like, um, and this is just going back to like the diets and stuff because I want to ask you this earlier and I forgot and I want to make sure I ask this. With mm-hmm. bad diets and, you know, the whole like quick fixes and, you know, like the 10 minute workout fix and all that kind of stuff, do you find that they do more harm than good in today's society? Because of the accustomed, because we are so accustomed to thinking that way, does that then create these expectations that are just not possible? So it's a hard answer to question, hard question to answer with a yes or no. So the question is, you know, are diets in the end more harmful than good, right? And I'm, I'm always careful to paint with one color anything. Mm-hmm. But so that little caveat given at the beginning, I think that most diets end up, and I'm talking over a, a one to three year period, mm-hmm. I think that most diets end up probably doing more disservice than not because 
97% of diets fail over a two-year period. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine like getting on an airline where 97% of the time they crashed? Like, who would do that? Oh my goodness, no. That would be insane. Nobody, nobody, it would be like the most poorest airline in the world, right? Because no <laughs> but yet our diet industry in America is a $7 billion industry. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And... And, and, and so it's interesting because people are, they don't realize it, but they're signing up for a 97% failure rate. And, and the, so the reason I'm tying that in is that what, yes, people, you know, lose weight and then they gain it back and they haven't changed what I call their food lifestyle, like the way they relate to food, the relationship with food, which I feel is, is the, is the game, right? Like that's the deal. Yeah. So, yeah. so they haven't done anything to really bring their health and joy forward in a meaningful way. And even worse, now they feel crappy about themselves, right? That they lost the weight. Everybody was complimenting them. Oh, you, oh, Mary, you look amazing. You look great in that dress. And then they, and then, oh, by the way, not only is it a 97% failure rate, but usually people gain the weight back and then some because they screwed with their metabolism, right? Mm -hmm. So now not only did they not really get anywhere over a two-year period, but now they feel bad about themselves. So what I see happening, the, the people, you know, when I'm working with people, they've actually begun to, you know, to use that analogy again of painting something with one color. They've painted themselves the color of someone who can't do it. Like, I am a failure. Like, I can't right. lose the weight. I can't be healthy. Like, I am some uniquely screwed up human being that I see other people that lose weight. Now they see the person when they just lost the weight and they're feeling all amazing. They don't see them two years later when they're in the same position, right? Right. So it's that situation that we do a lot, which is comparing our real life messy insides to people's shiny social media post-worthy outsides. Right. Like we see all these people posting pictures. Look at me. I'm associated with the highlight reels. Right. The highlight reels. And, and so So that's what really frustrates me about diets and why I think they can do a disservice to people. Now that said, if you take something like just for instance, the whole 30, like I'm not going to pick my thing because I would seem self-serving whole, if whole 30 people actually learn in that month time. And because it's a little more flexible and you're not like counting things and being all like, Weird yeah, it's about eating real. It's about eating real food, and so so many people have said to me in conversation, like, "Wow, I'm I can't believe how well I slept. Like I'm sleeping. Like I like forget about the weight. Like they're so excited about their sleep, and it, you know that's largely because of sugar, right? right. Sugar is a terrible sleep disruptor, and and so in those situations where people are relating to food in a more organic, no pun intended, way. I feel like then there can be some instruction, right? Like then it is helpful. So, so mostly I think it's not, sometimes I think it can be helpful. Okay. No. And, and that's totally a fair response. And I think, you know, my thoughts are always just, if it's a diet that you know, you can stick to or becomes your new life habit or parts of it at very, at the very least that you can take tools from that will support you long-term. It's great. It's the, it's for me, it's the fad diets that are like, you know, the cabbage soup diet or the, the like 
the ones where um, someone just told me about, she's like, oh, I heard about this water diet. And I was like, you mean fasting? <laughs> I was like, that's, if you're not eating and you're just having water, that's just fasting. But I was just like, oh my gosh, you can't, the thing is, is that it'll work for a short period. Of course, you're going to lose weight if you're not eating, <laughs> but then you're going to gain it all back because as soon as your body goes back into normal mode, you're not you're not really putting yourself in a good position you right. that for life. <laughs> and the trouble is because it's a $7 billion industry, there's lots of people that want to get on that party train because it's a really good way to make money. So if exactly. you can come up with a water diet, like that is laughable. Like that's yeah. funny. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I mean, yeah, no, no, it is. It's, yeah. I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, one of the things that we talk about is just find a program that will also educate you. That'll give you education and tools because when you get educated, rather than just following a plan, that's just like, I'm just going to follow this and just do exactly as it says, instead find something that will give you the plan, but will also give you extra tools and education around it to explain the why to explain. And this is why we're eating this way. And this is how it's going to help you for blood sugar management or this or that and stop your cravings because of these things, you know, your physical cravings and stuff. So it's, I think when you have the whole package as opposed to just the quick fix diets, I think that that's where if you are looking and you're listening right now and you're looking for something to help you, that's what's going to help you sort of, I guess, get to that next level or potentially help you to maintain something long term. I fully concur. Yep. Um, and then in terms of, you know, um, the emotional side, going back to that for a second, I do have, sorry, I'm like going back and forth because I had some questions no, great. I asked you earlier. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, when we were talking about the emotional side to you, and we were talking about like emotional eating and emotional habits, you know, I remember one thing that um, when I was, I, I don't even know how old I was at the time, but like when I was younger, I had decided I was smoking cigarettes at the time. Like this is like when I was very young. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes and stop drinking um, diet pop because diet pop was like my other habit, right? And I remember for four years, um, I, gave, I gave them both up on the same day. And I was like, that's it. I'm just not going to do this thing. And I was like, I was like jittery, of course. I remember I was in, it was when I was in um, post-secondary and I was going to write my exams and I was like, I can't even write. I can't even focus, you know, because my whole body was just like, yeah, my whole body was just like in shock mode. But the, the thing is, is that I remember for four years after I, I stopped smoking cigarettes and I've never smoked again, but um, for the whole thing with diet pop was that I felt so sad. I missed it. Like I actually missed it every day and it didn't go away. It was literally four years of just this utter sadness and disappointment in myself being like, I just, I just really want that. And I don't want anything else. And it was like, I never got over that feeling. What do you think about that idea behind that? Like when someone is just like, they have such a strong attachment or such a strong thing to a food or to whether it's a food or, you know, a drink or whatever, like a habit that they have though. Do you feel as though at some point, because I ended up going back and I, I tell people like, it is my, it is my vice. It is the one thing I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't do any yeah, of this. It's I your, drink, it's, I drink it's diet pop and I'm yeah. like, ah, like I know it's terrible for me. I know, I, I know I'm educated enough to know exactly what, like how come I should not have it, but I just really like it. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that sort of side of it? The 
if, if it's something that is such a strong desire, do you still try to battle it? Because I felt like I was just like, I can't be this sad forever. <laughs> oh, I mean, four years. Like, wow. You lasted four years. That's insane. I tried um, everything too. I was like, I'll drink iced tea. And I was like, I don't like iced tea. And then I was like, I'll drink yeah. this and I'll drink that. And nothing came close to it. And it just made me sad every day. I was like, I remember even drinking like, you know, Snapple and stuff. And I was like, just anything. And I was like, no, nothing compares. <laughs> and it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, but like, first of all, Amanda, I love that you bring it up. I love that you can like, you know, as a health person, authentically talk. Like I talk to people about the chips and chocolate stuff. Like yeah. it, it helps people understand. I'm human. <laughs> right. We all struggle with this stuff. Like, it's not like, just because you understand something, you get how it works. Doesn't mean that you're not flawed and messy and struggle with a lot of the same stuff. You just know more about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and like you said, like, I know what soda does in my body. Like, it's not like I don't know that, but the great news is, you know, one of the things, and I'll answer your question, but like I focus with clients on what I call an 80, 20 rule, right? Like 80% of your food, amazing. What I call food SAS, like food that builds your body and tastes good and all that. And then 20 in the 20% might live your soda, your Friday night beer, your, couple slices of pizza, like so that it's real life because nobody, myself included, can live like a hundred percent perfect food all the time. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like to even think that. So to answer your question about the soda and that thing that you just keep missing. So I've never tried this, but what came up for me when you were talking is like, and I haven't run into that like with a client where they just had something that, I mean, four years, I'm like, wow, like you're a rock star. Um, <laughs> I was really sad for those four years. Yeah, I still remember it. <laughs> be sad for that long. <laughs> Not so, like it wasn't like, you know, damaging like no, sadness. It was just it was, like this desire for four yeah. years that never went away. And I was like, what right. wrong? <laughs> yeah. So, so the first thing that came up is like, I wonder what like something like hypnosis would do for that, right? Like, because I don't think you can argue yourself out of that. Yeah. I don't think, and I don't, when it's so specific and I actually did work with one client who had this total soda thing that even after, so I run people, walk people through a three day, you know, cleanse yes. um, and then work with them to spin into what I call a new normal. So where you take what you learned, what we were talking about all along. Mm-hmm. And so most of the people come out of that and they're like, Oh, I don't even miss the soda or I don't miss the coffee. I don't miss, you know, whatever it is Yeah. for this particular woman for some reason I remember was from Montana. Um, she really missed soda. But like you, she was yeah. just, I don't know, like nothing's, I know you've told me to drink water with lemon. I know you've told me to try blah, blah, blah. She goes, I just like soda. I like the bubbles. I like the kind of weird flavor at the end. Like I just like it. And, um, and so for her, this probably wouldn't have worked for you, but for her, I encourage you to try the Zevia, like the Stevia base. Oh, I, no, no, I tried that totally. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But, and maybe it didn't work for you, but for her, it did work. Like for yeah. her, it was like, I get my bubbly, it's in a can, I pop it, it feels fun. Like there's a whole thing for her around the soda and the can and the popping of it and the fizz and it just makes her happy. Yeah. And so for her, that worked, but I think... I don't think that it's worth the sadness and the emotional angst to battle something for that long and be unhappy. And I yeah. think and I think that's when we get kind and gentle with ourselves and say, wow, I really tried. This is just something that's really important to me, which means I'm going to make sure that my 80% is really locked up. 
right? Because if I'm doing 80% great and the only thing I'm doing is having soda and XYZ, I'm really doing a lot good for myself. So that's when I would just say, screw it, right? Yeah, cool. No, and I I was just curious because I just, you know, on this whole conversation that we've been having. Yeah, no, it's an awesome question. Yeah, it's, I think the part that so many people feel like, you know, and then they do feel like a failure, right? And I remember feeling like a failure, like when I, the day I was like, that's it, I'm just going to have a dive pop. I was like, I'm so disappointed in myself. But then I got over it. Now I'm like, it's cool. It's a part of who I am. It's like, I, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I gave it up the whole time I was pregnant. um, So that, you know, and when I was nursing. Yeah. And when I was nursing, I didn't drink any. And then as soon as she stopped nursing, I was like, I'm so excited to have diabetes. (laughs) It was two years again of just like no diabetes, you know, and I would just, I I can definitely, I, it's like, I know I have the willpower to do it. I just don't have the desire if that makes sense. It's like, I just, you know, I just don't have it. So that's cool. Um, my last question, I just, you know, I know that, um, I have so many questions for you. I just, my last question that I'd love to ask you though is, in terms of, you know, on-ground tactics, like real true tips and tricks that somebody can use in order to honor their body, their mind, their emotional side, can you share with our listeners your top three tips that people can put into place today that will help them to be move able to just, yeah, move the needle a little bit forward? Okay, top three tips in each category or top three tips all together? All together. Okay. Just the things that you find the most powerful to like, but that are easy to implement. Okay, the easy to implement is a little tricky because what's easy for one thing is easy for (laughs) some. Of course, of course. You know, and that's a good good statement, of course. Okay, so if I was going to pick three things. So I bump into somebody at a party and they say, okay, I'm going to change three things and only three things right now. You know, I don't feel good. I'm overweight. I'm sad. I, my emotions are up, blah, blah, blah. They're just in a tough space. Yeah. The three things I would say to them is number one, start your day with a good breakfast. Like meaning get one good meal into yourself. Like this is someone that's just not eating food that serves them. Get one good meal into yourself, probably the first one, because then you're setting up your biochemistry to not end up on a blood sugar roller coaster or setting yourself up for cravings. You start your day with, you know, eggs and spinach or, you know, something, an omelet or oatmeal with, you know, nuts and coconut oil in it. Like something that's really nutrient dense and easy. So I'd say that's the first thing. Okay. The second thing I would say that probably moves the needle more than almost anything is meditation. So start with five minutes and don't think of it as a way to escape your mind or you're going to stop thoughts. You're going to empty your mind. Like that's a lesson in frustration. Get quiet, breathe, follow your breath. Everybody struggles. It doesn't mean that you stink and you're some meditation failure. Um, and get, you know, help with a program or an app or something to get you into it. But meditation helps so many things. It helps our sleep. It helps our emotions. Um, it helps us in situations because if we bring it, you know, quote unquote, off the cushion and into everyday life, it helps us with things like cravings and reacting emotionally and then lunging into chocolate and potato chips or, you know, so yeah. I think I think meditation and people sometimes get... Oh, well, 
that's like a religious thing. I'm like, no, it's really not religious. No, it can be, it can be, but it's, it can it's be religious, right? It's definitely okay. just a practice. It's a practice you know, in mindfulness. Right. Walking in nature can be religious. It is for me in a way, right? Like yeah. you can, anything you can turn into a religion, but so, so a good breakfast, um, meditation, and then probably this, oh boy, it's a tough, I'm going to cheat. And, and the, the two I'm picking between right now are getting restful sleep every night, at least seven and a half hours or moving your body. Like, I just think, and so the, the thing is, is like the last one is another body thing, but because of where we are in our evolution as a species, we're so body focused right now that when we don't feel good in our body, a lot of other stuff doesn't work. We're emotional, we're crabby, we're distracted. So if we can get in a better place in our body, I think the other things start to follow after that. Right. That's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing this. You're welcome. <laughs> and I couldn't agree more. I mean, especially with the meditation piece and for anyone that's listening, who's like, cool, like I really want to try that. Make sure that you check out. We actually have a couple of uh, different episodes on Pitchick's chat that you can like dive back into that give you real techniques and tips on how to actually awesome. just get started with Yay. meditation practice. Um, that's amazing. Well, Lori, thank you so much for joining me today and for answering all my abundance of questions. And uh, what Amanda, this was so fun. I feel I like we could have talked for hours. I know. <laughs> I love your approach. I really do. Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much. And um, just to, to sort of close up, can you just let our listeners know a little bit more about your upcoming book as well as um, how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I can be found at lauriewarren.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E-W-A-R-R-E-N.com. Mm -hmm. I'm on Twitter, uh, Lori Warren 12, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and my book, Wild World Joyful Heart, is coming out October 8th of this year. Congratulations. <laughs> and, um, and it's a book about empowered well-being, Amanda. It's, it's a lot of what we've been talking about today. You know, it's the, it's the human as a whole organism and how we can better care for ourselves and how we can better move through this world and how we can better relate to one another. It's really a book for the person and for the global collective because, you know, our world is in a little bit of a kerfuffle right now. And, yeah. and I feel, and I, and I really do believe that it's the individuals choosing to walk their life differently that are going to make a difference over the next 10, 50 years. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I look forward to reading it when it comes out. Thank and, you. Um, and definitely for anyone listening right now, make sure that you go to fitchicksacademy.com as well, where you can find out more information about Lori under our blogs, um, as well as if you are interested in learning more about our certification programs, you can go and check them out under our programs tab at fitchicksacademy.com. All right, Lori, thank you again so much. And everyone, thank you so much for listening today. And we will see you again next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out.
Thank you so much for joining us this week on Fit Chicks Chat. And remember, if you are ready to create the life, health, and career that you love, make sure to join us for our upcoming Holistic Nutrition Weight Loss Expert Program to become a certified holistic nutrition and health coach. Download the brochure today at fitchicksacademy.com forward slash HWLE brochure, and we'll see you next week.